Hey everyone, it's the Monday water cooler chat covering Bengals, the NFL, the AFC North. I'm Anthony Kazenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Happy to have all of you joining us on this holiday, this Martin Luther King Day. Hopefully uh, on this important day, everybody is enjoying themselves. Maybe some of you are working, maybe some of you have the day off, but regardless, hopefully you are enjoying the day and getting your week started off right if it's your first time here, thanks for checking us out. We've got a, a bit to get to. This is a little bit different episode than what we usually do on the podcast, but just to let you know, in case you're new around these parts, what we do is we talk a little general news about the Cincinnati Bengals, the AFC North, the NFL. I share my screen with some different stories for you to check out, get caught up on, so you can relay this information to your groups of friends, your family, whoever you, you chat football with. You can relay some of this knowledge in case you hadn't been brought up to speed yet. Thanks for joining this program. As I mentioned, there's on Mondays we do this. On Wednesday, we do kind of more of an analysis deep dive show with myself and John Sheeran, another contributor over at CincyJungle.com. We do listener questions live a couple times a month as well. And there are also other shows on the Cincy Jungle podcast channel. Orange is the New Black from Ace, Boogie, and Zim Hude. Check out that show as well as Matt Minnick's Chalk Talk. He does a lot of film breakdown, video review on our Orange and Black Insider YouTube channel on CincyJungle.com. And he does the occasional audio interview with some, some big names as well. So check that out how you can. Hello, everybody. I'm seeing a lot of hi and who days and welcome back. And how you guys doing? Good to, good to see everybody. Let's get to this. I'm seeing my co-host here, John Sheeran. What's going on, John? Uh, let's get let's get to it. Um, there's it's a little bit of a slower week. I mean, there's still a lot to talk about with the Bengals. It's a little bit of a slower week because now you know that that flash of news, that flurry of news that comes right after the start of a. Uh, uh, technically a new season, or I guess after the regular season ends, you know, you get a little bit of a flurry of news in terms of some coaching turnover, et cetera. Um, I guess we can, we can maybe start with that one. And it's more good news on, on the coaching front for the Cincinnati Bengals. This is an article courtesy of CincyJungle.com. The Bengals hire Marion Hobby as the defensive line coach. Nick Eason was the team's defensive line coach last year, had some AFC North background with the Steelers, et cetera, but the Bengals go in a different direction. Hobby, is an, it was kind of an under-the-radar name, but uh, he's a guy who has produced. He's got you know two and a half decades of coaching experience, and um, you know he comes here now as the defensive line coach. The Dolphins line under him, under his tutelage, was pretty productive. You saw a nice year from Kyle Van Noy last year uh, under under his tutelage. And uh, you can see here the last two defenses Hobby helped coach were great at producing sacks. This is courtesy of John Sheeran. The 2017 Jaguars totaled 55 sacks. And if you remember, that Jags team was was kind of a – it was a flash-in-the-pan team, but it was a monster team as they made it to the AFC title game. And then, of course, the Dolphins last year had 41 sacks and then six of them against the Bengals. So, look, the emphasis this year for the Cincinnati Bengals is going to be rushing the passer. Obviously, they're going to need to figure out what they're doing with Carl Lawson. Uh, Sam Hubbard did some things as an edge defender, not so much as a pass rusher this year, but more as a run stopper. He had some good grades at the end of the year 
for, uh, for in terms of PFF scores for his for his role at the end of the year, the last four or five games or so, he had some pretty nice scores as an edge defender, but more of a run run stopper this year as opposed to you know getting those that six to eight sack range that he had been the previous couple of years. So the Bengals are going to be looking to to not only retain some talent but potentially add some talent, whether that's in free agency, the draft. Um, what, whatever that may be, they're going to look to add some talent for sure. So uh, the, this this new coach, Marion Hobby, is going to have his hands full, hopefully, with a, a restocked cupboard, if you will. Um, he did coach DJ Reader um, in, at Clemson, so there's a connection there. That's a nice that's a nice connection, nice thing to have there. As Reader has a few more years in Cincinnati, signing the free agent deal last year. So uh, just to kind of bring you up to speed a little bit. Bengals keep Brian Callahan as offensive coordinator. They keep Lou Anarumo as defensive coordinator. Zach Taylor remains the team's head coach. And then you've got now uh, Frank Pollock returning to the team as the offensive line coach and adding in the run game coordinator designation to his title. Um, So that was an exciting move. Troy Walters, it has not been officially announced, at least not by the team's website. I don't believe as of yet, at least not as of earlier today. But, uh, you know, reports are having him being ascended from assistant wide receivers coach to take over for Bob Bicknell as the team's wide receiver coach. And then you've got Marion Hobby taking over for the defensive line. So um, there are... Uh, this is this is even though these are kind of the lower level assistants and position coaches, there's reason to be excited about these these hires, particularly with Pollock and with Hobby. I think those are two solid signings there. And um, so a good way to kind of start off the week for the Cincinnati Bengals on that front. Um, yes, I see a comment from. Leo Sean's um, saying we're linked to sign offensive linemen and free agency. There's been some rumors of that. And we're going to share some, I'm going to share some information on that on a couple of different fronts. This again is from CincyJungle.com from our friend Patrick Judas. Pro Football Focus thinks the Bengals need to go after Patriots guard Joe Tooney. This is from a couple of days ago. But, you know, as, as PFF is looking to see how teams are going to, you know, reassess their rosters going into the year here, um, you know, this is this is what Sam Monson of, of Pro Football Focus had to say. There's a little blurb paragraph there. It says, Tooney has allowed just three sacks in the past three years, posting PFF pass blocking grades of at least 85 in two of those three seasons. He's also a good run blocker, doesn't get penalized often. And one thing that Monson doesn't note here, at least not in the first paragraph, um, is durability. And sometimes availability, as they say, is the... The best quality or availability is, um, you know, a, a top, top quality for a, <laughs> a best trait for somebody, especially for the Cincinnati Bengals, because in the last few years, they have had just an insane amount of injuries and major injuries just across the roster, but to very important players. And you can see Monson notes the, the injury to Jonah Williams that ended his season prematurely. And basically, you know, he, he ended both of his first two pro seasons injured. So he's injured. Trey Hopkins, the center, has a, a knee injury. He's going to rehab that. He had to have surgery, tore a ligament there. So a lot of injuries along the Bengals' offensive line. So Tooney is a guy that the PFF, and I, I know a lot of Bengals fans and myself and John Sheeran kind of had a little back and forth of Joe Tooney versus Brandon Scherf last week. So catch it, catch that conversation when you get the chance. But 
you know, Tooney's a guy, also a local guy. I think he's from Dayton. So he's a guy that, you know, makes a lot of sense to be connected to the Bengals. Now, to that point, we're going to skip over to our buddies over at All Bengals, James Rapine, Nicole Zembrot, and all of the gang over there, Blake Jewell, and um, a, a, they got a little army over there. They're doing doing some great work. We're going to skip over there because they relayed via the Bengals Booth podcast some chat on Dave Lapham um, talking about the possibility of the Bengals addressing offensive line and free agency. So, you know, here, here Lapham's kind of towing a little bit in terms of the quotes here and go listen to that podcast episode. Pretty interesting. Lapham always brings some good insight, not only kind of the X's and O's in terms of offensive line play, but also he's, he usually has some good inside scoop as to what the Bengals brain trust is thinking. You know, he's always kind of the guy as you get a few days out from the draft, particularly in night two, he's a guy that you really like to listen to because he's got a good read on their draft board and, you know, their big board and all of that kind of stuff. So he's, he kind of toes the company line a little bit here though, saying they've got plenty of options inside, meaning interior offensive linemen. He mentioned Suofilo. Um, and then there are a couple of guys that they're trying to groom there. Now, I don't know if he's using the new rehiring of Frank Pollock as kind of the barometer of that in terms of, you know, Fr- Frank Pollock has said that he likes Suofilo. He likes these guys that were brought in when he was not here. So we don't know that. But basically, he's kind of pointing to the to the fact that the Bengals may not be looking at guard. They just don't really pay guards that often in free agency, at least not big money. They kind of go after the rental deals. They go after the guys who are kind of playing at average levels. You know, you look at John Miller. They tried a few years ago. Uh, they, they, the, his name escapes me at the moment. They tried to sign a guard or they did sign a guard from the Panthers. And of course, in like the first preseason game, he tears his knee, never sees the rest of that contract. So that was kind of a bummer. Um, and then really the guy that they kind of paid the most uh, or, or continued to pay in free agency was Bobby Williams. He was an outside free agent from the, the Eagles. They brought him in and then they signed him to, uh, I believe, two contracts there. So he, you know, he was paid by the Bengals, but Kevin Zeitler, Eric Steinbach, you know, a lot of, a lot of guards just aren't valued with the Bengals, but he seems to think Lapham does that. You can see here the line. It sounds like Lapham expects the Bengals to do their due diligence at the tackle position. Quote, I do think if they can find an improvement on the edge, meaning offensive tackle, that's where the rubber meets the road in free agency if they can get it done. So, and then he specifically goes on to say Alejandro Villanueva, who's had a pretty good career, a very interesting NFL career and and career path with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He kind of says, you know, he's too old and best football's behind him as a free agent. So at 32, let's not go that road if you're the Bengals. But, you know, there are some, you know, I I think there's um, Russell Okung and Trent Brown is rumored to be on the trading block from the Raiders. Trent Williams, the, the, former uh, Washington player who played with San Francisco this year is looking to test free agency. So there might be some tackle options. Taylor Moton is another one. There's some tackle options out there potentially for the Bengals to explore and uh, you know, whether they, whatever they want to do with Jonah Williams, whether that's move him over to the right, keep him at the left. And then maybe you replace one of these guys, you replace Bobby Hart with one of these guys you would need to probably free up some money from the Bobby Hart contract in order to make some of these moves. So 
you know, it sounds like if you're if you're taking Dave Lapham's word in mid to late January, it sounds like the Bengals, if they're going to, they will be going to the free agency well for offensive linemen. It's just a matter of, you know, what position and probably not interior offensive line seems to be um, not not really on the table, at least according to Dave Lapham. We've got a little more to get to. I'm Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com. This is the Monday Water Cooler Chat. Happy to have you with us, joining us live or after the fact. Appreciate you tuning in. We've got uh, some more headlines to get to around around the NFL and with the Cincinnati Bengals, so we'll, we'll get to that in just a little bit. And if you're new to this podcast, you can get it on your favorite audio streamer, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, all those, all those platforms. We have our YouTube channel. I think it's under my, my left arm here you can click the youtube icon there to subscribe to our channel and all of our stuff is on cincyjungle.com so appreciate all of your support and we're going to keep bringing you stuff even though it's the off season it's not the off season for us we're going to continue to bring you stuff on this program and the others on the cincy jungle podcast network let's get to a couple of other little tidbits of Bengals news here in case you hadn't seen this this is this was pretty interesting to me. And these are one of those things when you look at re-signing a Carl Lawson, you look at re-signing a William Jackson, you know, there are questions. And I, I you know, I was doing some posts myself for Cincy Jungle doing defensive MVPs. And I particularly looked at those two players, Carl Lawson, William Jackson, their stat lines, et cetera. And some of the other stuff that's not right on the surface in terms of stats, because these are two guys that the Bengals have big decisions to, to in which to make about extending them. This year, uh, Lawson had five and a half sacks this year. You know, you see that and you go, well, that's not that's not over overly great. But here's an interesting stat. Top 10 for ESPN sacks created. He's actually seventh on this list. If you look at the tweet from Seth Walder, uh, sacks created for others was the was kind of the metric there. And you look down, um, Carl Lawson is seventh, 10 and a half sacks created for others. So basically uh, what it sounds like they they do. They look at who generated the initial pressure by beating a block. And then of course, someone else gets credit for the sack. So he's seventh. So that's something where you go, okay, well, that's an advanced kind of an advanced metric there, but it is something that is worth noting. You look at the quarterback hits. I think when looking at it, Carl Lawson had 32 on the year. Um, and you know, he, he has countless pressures. It's just kind of like with the William Jackson thing. There's a lot of metrics there. Um, that's, you know, very, very good in terms of low completion percentage, a lack of allowing a ton of big plays if you're William Jackson, but, um, you know, overall pro football focus score pretty good. It's, you know, some of the plays that are gimmies, these layup interceptions that seem to be dropped, um, the lack of a lot of big, big turnover plays, a couple of games missed per year, basically by William Jackson, you know, uh, Carl Lawson has had some injury issues as well. So those are things to take into account, but there are some advanced metrics like those things that, you know, need to be accounted for. If you're the Cincinnati Bengals, when looking to re-sign these guys, they need to be, they need to be uh, accounted for. And if the Bengals lose Carl Lawson to free agency, they're going to need to do some pretty drastic things in order to shore up their, their defensive line, because the, the well will be pretty dry in terms of, you know, edge defenders, pass rushers, quality pass, pass rushers on this team. So they they need to probably keep him and add still another, you know, uh, another pretty exciting pass rusher to the to the mix here. Last week we saw 
Joe Burrow come back to Paul Brown Stadium the first time since having surgery on his knee uh, that got uh, torn up against Washington kind of later in the season there. Um, this was pretty interesting. Carson Palmer had some glowing words to say for Joe Burrow. This is on cincyjungle.com as well. I think I think the, the article can also be found on bangles.com. Carson Palmer praises Joe Burrow as the right guy to overcome major knee surgery. By the way, Carson Palmer, if you remember, he experienced this uh, kind of a pretty similar thing in a playoff game back in 2000. I guess it would have been January 2006. It was for the 05 wild card. So he knows a thing or two. He hit the rehab circuit really, really hard and came back and played Every single game the following year was very productive. So um, he knows a thing or two about this. He's the, he's quote, he's the right guy to be going through this mentally. Palmer told Bengals.com, Jeff Hobson, Joe's in great hands. If you combine that with the desire and the work ethic and the want to, which Joe will, it's a great recipe. Joe will be fine. He'll be good. He's got the strength to come out of this just as good or even better. Um, there's a little more in here, but uh, this the Carson Palmer story arc with the Bengals and Joe Burrow and all of that has been pretty interesting to watch. Um, you know, after after retirement, Carson Palmer has not said the most kind words about the Bengals, but he also hasn't gone out of his way necessarily to bash them. Um, you know, he gets asked pointed questions and he answers them pretty honestly, and he just kind of is a, somewhat blunt about it. Um, he kind of you know, basically before the draft kind of said, good luck to Zach Taylor and, and Joe Burrow. Good luck. You're going to need it type of thing. Um, and then in the season, you saw a cool little moment where Chad Ochocinco visited Carson in his uh, ranch and they were kind of video conferencing in with Joe Burrow after his, his first NFL win against the Jacksonville Jaguars after week four, there was kind of a neat moment there. And then, of course, Palmer's still connected to Jeff Hobson of Bengals.com talking about, you know, Joe Burrow, the Bengals, his rehab, that sort of thing. So, you know, it's kind of an interesting story arc for Carson Palmer and the, and the Bengals there. It's, uh, But I, I would recommend reading that entire story on Bengals.com. It's a pretty interesting one. Um, as Carson Palmer still continues, the legacy of Carson Palmer still continues to – evolve, I guess. Uh, by the way, Carson Palmer was put into the ring of honor by the Arizona Cardinals. If you, uh, if you can believe that one. So take that for what you will. We've got a little more to get to here. Uh, one of the things the Bengals like to do in the scouting process, especially after a poor season, they like to coach, um, the senior bowl. They like to, to do that sort of thing. Well, they did that after Zach's first year, this, this past season, they will not, I guess they had the opportunity to do so again this year. They will not be doing that, but they will be, um, coaching virtually at a shrine bowl event, which is another scouting event, uh, in the early spring. So, um, you can see here, here, here's the coaches here, Ben, uh, Ben Martin, the assistant Craig Thorpe, uh, Kovacs and Troy Walters. Those are the four that the Bengals, um, Ben Martin is the assistant offensive line coach. Brad Cragthorpe, I believe is the, uh, he's like an offensive quality assistant. And then I mentioned Walters is, you know, now going to be the wide receivers coach. So, you know, uh, 
there are so there's four of them that are going to be there. Um, a lot of interesting names and, and familiar names, former players, et cetera, that are on here. But um, you know, the Bengals will be doing kind of a similar thing, obviously with the pandemic being what it is, and uh, they're trying to ease up a little bit in terms of the responsibilities on the coaches. But they're going to be doing a little bit of the quote unquote senior bowl coaching type of thing with this shrine game situation. They're going to be doing some virtual coaching there. So, you know, they like to do this to get up close and personal with a lot of prospects with the smaller scouting staff, the coaches are intimately ingrained in the scouting process. You probably a lot more than a lot of other teams. So, you know, they, they like to get their, their hands dirty in terms of, you know, coaching these guys being around them early in the spring. And it, it acts as a pretty, significant process in their in their scouting process so um that's that's something to watch and there's probably going to be some names in that shrine bowl that you'll hear linked to the Bengals, as in you know hey this guy looked great or we're really interested in this guy maybe they meet with them before the draft in one of those prospect meetings so keep an eye out for that the we've been talking a little joe burrow this is courtesy of Bengals wire our boy Chris rolling over there he does some good work pumps out a ton of content this is just from um, a recent interview Dan Pitcher basically when Joe Burrow came back to Paul Brown Stadium and was kind of meeting with the coaches and talking about some things and they were watching some of the playoff games together um, you know they're they're saying that some of this stuff that he has learned in his rookie year and and just his own innate abilities will help him grow in particularly in division games going forward. Joe Burrow struggled in uh, against Pittsburgh and Baltimore in particular. Um, he struggled in those games, really struggled in those games. Bengals got blown out in both of those games. Of course, the, the game they beat the Steelers, Burrow was already hurt. So that that's kind of an anomaly there. But, you know, those two games, he did not play very well. So uh, you see the quote here by Dan Pitcher, quarterbacks coach. He's got – Quote, he's got excellent recall. I think as time goes on and he has more chances against those division teams, he can put stuff in the bank mentally and then access it the week of the game over time. I think he'll be really good against the teams he'll see over and over again. And that's really one of the hopes with Joe Burrow when you drafted him um, is kind of that, that I guess it goes in that it factor where as a young quarterback in the NFL, one who's growing, you're probably going to see him, you know, he'll make a mistake. I feel that you're not going to see him make similar mistakes often um, like young quarterbacks do inexperienced quarterbacks do. I think he's a guy who really learns from mistakes and that's a critical part of playing quarterback. If you go back to that interview that he had with Colin Cowherd on, on Fox sports, Joe Burrow was going through a recall of the interception he threw at the end of the Indianapolis game that ended up sealing what should have been a, a runaway win for the Bengals. But, um, you know, it ended up, they ended up losing the game after having a 21, 21 point lead against the Colts. Uh, Burrow's driving at the end of the game, they're moving the ball, and then he, he sails an interception. And he was talking about, you know, the coverage. It was something he hadn't seen before. It was, and he was just going through it. And he kind of, he apologized to Colin Coward saying, Hey, I'm kind of going a little football ease on you. I, I apologize. And Colin was like, No, keep going. But it just kind of plays to, his, his recall, this memory recall that Dan Pitcher is talking about and his ability to be able to not only shake off a mistake, but when he makes a mistake, not 
make the same one over and over again. So um, that's that's something to be to be valued, and I, I hope that we start seeing that the fruits of some of those mistakes. There were there were there were few of them. There weren't a ton of them as a rookie. He was he was pretty clean with the football and that sort of thing. But there were a couple of them, and y- you know you hope that he's going to learn from some of those, particularly against those division giants, um, and. You know, hopefully the Bengals have some more success in the division there. This I'm going to breeze through a little bit. If you have not had the chance yet on our last podcast from last Wednesday, John and I went through a a three round mock. So go check out who we picked there. Um, you may be surprised as to who we picked with the picks here. This is a lot of trades and whatnot. This is on again Bengals wire, uh, Bill. Richette, I believe is the the name here is how you pronounce that. Um, you can see interesting mock draft seven round with trades. Christian Derrissaw, a name that's rising up as uh, the, the pro season ended, a name that's rising up draft boards. And a lot of people are, he's getting a lot of Twitter clout. So uh, that's a guy to keep an eye on. Christian Derrissaw, offensive tackle out of Virginia Tech. He takes at 12 after a move back. Then you trade back up into the first round. Uh, Wyatt Davis, an interior offensive lineman from Ohio State, is who we had at 32 after a trade back up. Number 44 was uh, involved in the trade. Uh, Davion Nixon, an interior defensive lineman out of Iowa. Uh, You've got at number 77, again, trades. Trades all over the place. Richie Grant, a safety out of Central Florida. So there's a lot of different players here. 97, Jordan Smith, an edge player out of uh, UAB. So check this one out. Pretty interesting. And you get a little insight from some of these guys you may not. Uh, this kid intrigues me here, by the way, Deami Brown, wide receiver out of North Carolina. I read a little bit here, and I, I have heard his name quite a bit. You see the back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons as a Tar Heel. That, to me, is, um, you know, it's not a great picture right there. The ball's coming out, <laughs> out of his grasp. But uh, interesting name to say the least. And uh, there are a lot more picks on that. So go check out that seven round mock on Bengals wire and check out our um, three round mock on our podcast from last week. Now going around a little bit to the NFL, the AFC North, et cetera. Look, there's no more AFC North teams in the playoffs. They all got bounced this last weekend. Um, Browns were, were beaten by Kansas city in Kansas city, but in that game, Patrick Mahomes suffered a concussion and um, so that's that's a little scary. It was kind of a scary, scary hit. And I think it was Mac Wilson who who ended up hitting Patrick Mahomes here. Uh, Andy Reid says Patrick Mahomes he is still in concussion protocol for the AFC Championship game. So we will we will have to see what's going on there. Kansas City hosts the Buffalo Bills, who got their first playoff win in 25 years by beating the Baltimore Ravens. So Browns beat the the Steelers to knock them out of the playoffs in the first round. Browns get beaten by Kansas city bills beat Baltimore who beat, who beat Tennessee in the opening round. So no more AFC North teams as we hit championship weekend, they will not be in the running, but Kansas city hosts the Buffalo bills and Patrick Mahomes may or may not be available depending on how he reacts in the concussion protocol this week. It would be quite, quite a blow to the Kansas city chiefs. If he is unable to go in that game and, uh, 
we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. But big news around the NFL and a, a pretty bad hit that Mahomes took to to sustain that concussion. For you, I know a lot of Bengals fans are Ohio State fans. Some big news as of Monday morning. Justin Fields, pretty predictable, but Justin Fields on Twitter uh, announced he is going to the draft. So he, um, in this pretty cool looking letter, talks about his gratitude to Ohio State and he will be going pro, likely going to be a top five pick, maybe within maybe the second overall pick. Um, depending it. Hey, who knows where he may end up in Jacksonville and I'll tell you why in just a second. But um, at any rate, Justin Fields, he is going to uh, head to the pros and we'll see it where he gets drafted going forward. Let's catch up on some of the coaching. I've caught you up on the Bengals coaching side of things. Let's catch you up on the NFL coaches because there have been some moves and this is a really cool, it's a coaching tr and GM tracker. I shared this a couple of weeks ago on the water cooler chat. So check this out. Let's see the first one here. This is why I mentioned the Jaguars may be in the running for Justin Fields. We will see Jacksonville Jaguars hire Urban Meyer. So uh, they, uh, that name, you know, has been bounced around for a while after he quote unquote retired from Ohio state. There's been a little bit of controversy after the last two programs he has left um, you know, there was, he kind of claimed there was some health issues and that sort of thing, but there was also a lot of uh, ancillary noise or uh, some other issues that were being dealt with at each of those institutions when he was leaving and he was kind of in the TV game. Name's been kicked around for a while in terms of possible NFL head coach. I guess Jacksonville gave him a deal he could not refuse. So Urban Meyer is now the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jets hire Robert Sala, the former defensive coordinator of the 49ers who had done some great work with that team. Um, so he is now the Jets head coach after the uh, after the Jets parted ways with Adam Gase. By the way, there's some news. Adam Gase was talked to by Pete Carroll for their vacant offensive coordinator position. That would be an interesting Interesting match there. Falcons hire Arthur Smith, and he was the, the former Titans offensive coordinator. He's done a lot of good work with Ryan Tannehill, obviously Derrick Henry. So the Falcons hired Arthur Smith as their uh, as their head coach this weekend. The Char Chargers hire Brandon Staley, the Rams defensive coordinator, a guy some people really like, but he's younger. Kind of a surprise for the Chargers, especially when you've, you know, you, you go the defensive route when you've got Justin Herbert in the mix, you know, you maybe think that uh, maybe a B enemy or, you know, some of these other names out here. Day, I think Dable was another guy that uh, whose name was being kicked around. So you, you kind of feel like maybe they would have gone a different route there, but they, they grabbed the guy from just across the street in LA from the Rams. And he is now the LA Chargers head coach. So a couple of, couple of different uh, the, the different moves here. A um, couple of teams are still waiting to see what they're going to do with their with their head coaching vacancies. And Marvin Lewis's name has been kicked around a bit. 
Uh, he was he had been interviewed by the Jets. He was interviewed by the Lions, and he was interviewed by the Texans. So as of yet, Marvin Lewis is not getting an NFL gig, um, at least as of yet. So we'll see what happens here going forward. This one, I know we don't. This isn't a Rams podcast, but I, I found this to be really interesting. After a tumultuous end of the season for the for the Rams, you've got, you know, the Rams are fighting for their playoff life, right? Jared Goff breaks his finger, has surgery, rushes back. Somehow the Rams pull off a major upset in Seattle with uh, a backup quarterback. And then Goff, after he gets injured, uh, Wolford, he, after he gets injured in the game, Goff comes back in with the banged up finger and somehow they – you know, they, they pull off an upset and beat the Seahawks to advance the, to the divisional round. Well, the Rams did not play very well against the Packers. Packers move on, and they are in the NFC Championship. And um, so they, they will be hosting Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So those that's the other side. We mentioned the AFC Championship. That's the NFC side. Jared Goff and Sean McVay relationship needs, quote, marriage counseling heading into offseason. So the former number one overall pick from a few years ago and his wonderkind head coach, the offensive genius that is Sean McVay, I guess, are at odds. This is, I, I believe the report was from Steve Weish of NFL.com. Um, and this, here you go right here. If you look down here, McVay told reporters Saturday that Goff is, quote, the quarterback right now which isn't the most resounding endorsement is what it says here on NFL.com. So man, a few years ago you had Jared Goff and Carson Wentz one and two in that draft look to be franchise quarterbacks for both of their respective teams. Carson Wentz appears to be out of a job to Jalen Hurts. And now Jared Goff might be on thin ice here. And I think Jared Goff, if that statement rubbed people the wrong way, or rubbed him the wrong way, I guess. You know, I I can understand the, I, I guess the 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 anger or the resentment in the in the quote there because, you know, I mean the guy rushed back, had a broken thumb, rushed back to try and help the team, did whatever he could, and and you know you've got another quote from from McVeigh here at the bottom saying we know I'm sorry Weish said this we know John Wolford came in and they were excited about him when Jared Goff got hurt in the way he, he performed and then he got hurt if you remember Wolford also came in before and helped win a game against the Arizona Cardinals to get them into the playoffs so not a great situation in LA. You know, Jared Goff has kind of had some ebbs and flows to his career. He's kind of been real streaky, and um, at times he looks like an all-pro, and at times he looks like a very pedestrian starter. So doesn't appear to be a good marriage there going forward and uh, needs some work. Let's see if there's anything else. Really, the only other thing, injury news as we head to championship weekend, Antonio Brown is – has a knee injury. So they're going to be doing MRIs and stuff like that. So he is a weapon that has emerged late in the season for the Buccaneers who have been playing some good football after a mid season uh, 
skid, they ended up coming back and playing very, very sound football and are now in the NFC Championship, and you've got Brady versus Rodgers in that game. So um, I already talked down here about um, Patrick Mahomes' concussion, and then you've got you know Vita Vea, the, the uh, defensive tackle. He may come back from injured reserve. Uh, big guy in the middle there of their defense, he may be coming back. But other than that, not much else on the injury front going 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 forward there. I am going to get on out of here. I'm going to let you get out of here and enjoy the rest of your holiday weekend. Happy MLK Day to all of you. Appreciate you all tuning in. Thanks for hanging with us on the water cooler chat. Hopefully you got informed and you've got a really cool shadowy view of, of me, uh, the room I'm doing doing this podcast in. <laughs> I've got some, some weird sunlight coming in the room. But appreciate you all tuning in. Uh, appreciate you tuning in live or if you joined us after the fact um, either way appreciate the support we'll see you this week go subscribe to the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel and leave us a review we appreciate the support take it easy enjoy the rest of your week good day